Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. Uh, this is Hunter Dido. I just want to say thanks for tuning in. Um, today we talk about how to spring turkey hunt. I talk with Jeremy, my co-host. He's huge into spring turkey hunt. Obviously talk about it on the podcast a lot. Uh, but we get really into a lot of the details on what it takes to be a spring turkey hunting uh, fanatic like him. So uh, this one's great for anybody that's intermediate, maybe knows what they're doing, or especially for the new hunter. So if you're looking to get out and get into turkey hunting, this podcast is for you. Uh, today, the episode is brought to you by B. Hoover Custom Call. So Brent Hoover is an awesome, phenomenal guy. Western Nebraska, he's a family friend, and he just swell. Is, he's a salt of the earth kind of guy. I was going to say that. Um, started making a lot of duck calls. Uh, he makes goose calls, predator calls, um, deer calls, just kind of really just anything. But today the big one is turkey pot calls. The big thing about, uh, spring turkey hunting, I've never done it. That's why we had this episode. Um, but the vocalizations between the birds is really how you draw in that massive Tom. So you need to jump on behoovercustomcalls.com and check out his turkey pot calls. Um, also you can check him out on Facebook. He puts up pictures because he's a custom call maker. He can really do anything you can kind of dream up. So he posts other clients, turkey pot calls to give you some inspiration. Check out his Facebook and Instagram. So, all right, guys, I appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump on, jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Biggerest Hunters podcast. We want to say thank you for stopping in and listening to us before we get started with the podcast. Uh, a couple things. One, you're going to do me a huge favor. If not, we're not friends. If you do, then we're best friends. Either way, do it because I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, go ahead and jump onto Apple Podcasts and rate review the podcast as well as if you listen to Spotify, you can uh, rate the podcast. If you do that for me, it would make a huge difference and it would save my life. <laughs> uh, the other thing you can do for me, and if you guys want to listen to or get more content from the Bigger Hunters, uh, jump onto Facebook and join the Bigger and Hunters podcast. Uh, it's called Bigger and Hunters podcast fans and forums um, and buy and sell. So, Go ahead and jump on there. Uh, we just talk about, you know, like lately we've been talking about snow goose migration. We'll be talking about spring spring turkey hunting. And just everyone can just get involved and be a community. So go ahead and jump on there because I appreciate it. Today I have with me my co-host, Jeremy. What up, dog? Doggy dog. <laughs> How we doing, buddy? You know what? I got to go fishing today. Had the day off un prepared day off unprepared yeah gotta love when uh construction companies are behind you know it's funny they they're like go 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 mm-hmm. and then when they're just like hey we don't have anything for you and then you're just like uh okay and like yeah mm, uh, 
Uh, oh well, it's so it's so painful too because they're already behind on this house. My dad walked in there this afternoon. We already knew it wasn't gonna be ready today on Friday. Yeah, and we hear that the new uh, trim guy quit. Ooh, Lily wasn't even there a week. <laughs> Ooh, so I don't know what the story is on that, but. The house is not ready. Is that that renovation business you've been talking to me about? Or, no, is it, or is like a new the, house? This is one of the new construction companies uh, we work for. So. Gotta love it. I was talking to, I was, well, for the listeners, I'm, my, Shay and I are building a new house in the process of doing that because, uh, just the market was so rough that we just decided, eh, we're just going to build a house. It's going to, yeah, here we go. So I asked them today and they're like, Hey, because if we scheduled and it was supposed to be done by like October of, you know, next year, she's like, yeah, she's like, I I don't really want to say. And I was like, well, I, I'm just, I'm just curious because it seems like it seemed like nothing was going on. And now they're like, boom, dug out the house. They're going to like put the concrete in the next couple of days. They want it waterproofed. And then they're one to try to get stuff going like next week, mm-hmm. like getting it framed. And I'm like, oh, like you guys are really getting rolling here a lot faster than I thought they would. But yeah, actually, because you told me October and I was like thinking, all right, so they'll put the hole in probably July. And then earlier this last week, you're like, yeah, they're putting the hole in already. And I was like, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but there's a good chance that house will be done before October, unless they're just trying to give you a really, like, big window of times because they've got a bunch of houses going, which is a possibility. Mm, they are only they only build, like, 20 a year. Dude, 20 a year is a lot of houses. Well, I realize that, but, okay, so say they get the concrete in, they get a waterproof, they get the frame up, even, say, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that's only in day. End of March, early April. So a lot of... The big area that the houses generally get stuck on and take the longest time, like, you can get the outside of the house put up really, really quick. Yeah. And, like, so you get your frame, you can get the siding on, yada, yada. But the big area that always holds new construction houses up is insulation and drywall. Something about that phase, whether, first of all, not going to lie, this area has a shortage of quality people for that. <laughs> I deal with that every single job, it seems like. It really, yeah. it is an unfortunate reality. I but don't know. They've been saying that they use all their sub. They've been using all their subs for like 15 years. Well, so that, that's I'm, good. That I'm mean, hoping. That means they probably take care of their subs and, yeah, and you know, yes, there is the, there's a lack of quality, but at the same time, some companies don't take care of their subs. Yeah. But... That is usually where it gets stuck and takes the longest time. Once you get past the drywall, once the drywall's in and the painters come in and prime whoever paints your house, I mean, you're looking a month and a half from that point probably. Yeah, I and that's what I said. I said it, I just, it, it would not surprise me. It's still October because, I mean, the big things are windows and garage doors. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a few things like on the electrical side, but... Oh. I'm not. I'm not super worried about that. I think big things is windows, doors, and I've seen. I've heard water heaters are real. Have they not ordered any of that stuff yet? Uh, I guess I didn't get a for sure answer out of her, but I'm like the windows should have been ordered already. Because if 
I, um, heard, I I know one of our companies that we work for said just like last week we were talking with them and they said uh, if he ordered a garage door today, it wouldn't be here for 12 weeks. Well, yeah. I mean, we we chose we chose the windows the first week of March and we mm-hmm. chose the, the garage doors the first week in March. Those are the first two things. And something she said today was that when all this stuff started going on, like they didn't know everything that was going on. So mm-hmm. they were trying to react to it. Yeah. Whereas now they're being a lot more proactive. And so she's like, you're really one of the first runs of houses that we can be really proactive on ordering on. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, even if you think 12, say, say even like 16 weeks, that's four months. I mean, if you think of that, I mean, that'd be basically August. Well, your garage door, not a big deal. Your windows, if you can't Huge get your deal. windows in, like, you're slowing up fast. Because, yeah. I mean, actually, we're some of the houses we're doing right now, we were supposed to be doing in, like, December, but they didn't have windows. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it took them, like, six-plus weeks to get their windows in. That's what I think that's the thing that worries me most is because we're doing – we're doing black windows, mm. and so that being kind of a ish specialty, yeah. that makes me a little nervous. But, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But big news, though. You yeah. see that Tom Brady's coming back? Oh, dude. I I did see it. I'm not surprised. Not but, at all. But at the same time. Not even t- least bit. I, I was talking with a buddy about this last night because he asked me, he's like, what's your opinion on it? And I literally said, I'm not surprised but it's just another Brett Favre situation. Is it, though? It is. Brett Favre literally retired, came out of retirement four times. Now, Tom Brady did stay with the Buccaneers, which, you know, they've got some history built there. Obviously, they won a Super Bowl and made a playoff run. But, like, the reason that I said it could turn into a Favre situation, I mean, Favre retired from the Packers, got traded to the – or. Went went to the Vikings, almost went to the Super Bowl, had one really good year with them, kind of went downhill, then went to the Jets. I mean... I honestly it, don't even remember the Jets. Yeah, I remember right? the Vikings, but I never remember the Jets part. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's not like they were bad. I think they went 10-6, and six, but it's just like Brett Favre had such a ceiling value career where people just, you know, you look up to a career like that, and then by retiring and unretiring and retiring and unretiring, I just... I feel like it tainted the end of his career a little bit because people literally got to the point where it was like, no, you're done. Like, I mean, I mean, tainted his career, but yet he's millions of dollars more richer because of playing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The money is nice. My thing about Tom Brady and that's, I think the difference, here's my thing. The difference between Tom Brady and Brett Favre is, and you can disagree, but, Brett Favre, I think there was some money involved. Like some, he, he wanted more money. With Tom Brady, dude, that could that dude could never work again, and he'd still be rich because his wife is just yeah, he, she's a supermodel. She's got all you know the I think the makeup or fashion thing going. Uh-huh. Like he's got his own companies. Like he can never work a day in his life and still be rich. But he just he has he's passion. lived his whole life. Locked into football, and mm-hmm. I think when he quit, he's just like, dude, well, I, I don't even know what to do with my life. Lo- lots of people said that, that he wouldn't know what to do with his career like yeah. or his life. And he tried, like, he said he was going to throw himself into some of his brands, but it didn't uh, 
really work too well. Or it's not that it didn't work too well. You can Dude, all they need is his name. Yeah. That's, what, that's his all name they need. And his likeness and, then, and yeah. give it to marketing directors. But I will say the one thing that I think, I won't disagree that there might be a possibility that Brett Favre, you know, it was a money thing. But I will tell you for sure that what was going on with Brett Favre is the Packers organization literally basically, I mean, they kicked him out the door. Because they had Aaron Rodgers coming up behind him. Which Give him the old Aaron Rodgers. This is coming <laughs> from a Bears fan, sadly. So, like, <laughs> I have had two decades of torture since I've really started watching football. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know it's it's awful, but you can't. You, we can't all be the Rams, but they had their two decades. <laughs> Just yeah. saying. But so when. When Favre got kicked out the door, basically, he went from... I'm, I'm sure there was money aspect, too. And I do believe that it, part of it was passion for the game. But I also think it boiled down to, I'm not done. You said I'm done, but I'm not done. Yeah. Kind of thing. And especially that first time. Because, you know, when he joined the Vikings, and I think that's why he joined the Vikings, because he was like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, stick it to them. Yeah. And he did, kind of like Tom Brady did to Bill Belichick and the that was Patriots. Like, I feel like most, I would say majority of the NFL like uh, community wanted to see Tom Brady win that Super Bowl just because it is the pinnacle of FU uh-huh. to the whole Patriots organization. I have never been a Tom Brady hater, and like I've been saying for probably 10 years that he would go down as the like within my group I say that he would be the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. And he is. I mean, you can't deny seven Super Bowls, four MVPs and countless Pro Bowls and you just can't and all of his other accolades. I mean, it just you can't deny it, but with how everything happened in New England there at the end and he went to Tampa Bay, I was just like He's going to win a Super Bowl. You knew from, like, <laughs> once they started rolling at the end of the season and they got really hot, I was like, there, no one could beat them. It's not going to yeah. happen. And I all, like, the age-old conversation, you know, who is, who really carried the franchise? Was it Belichick or was it Tom Brady? And, you know, don't get me wrong, Belichick's a good coach, and he honestly did a good job with what he had this year in a rookie and I think they'll go places, but Tom Brady still carried, at least the end of his career in New England, he carried that franchise. Yeah, I agree. I mean, those first couple of years, you can't deny the defenses that Belichick had, but... Yeah. So. Speaking of football, since we're talking about football, <laughs> I'm looking, I, 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 honest to goodness, think I'm thinking about going to the spring game because I'd like to see oh, Casey Thompson. I'm really curious and because... I, we had, like, probably the best recruiting class since Pliny, in my opinion, this year. I don't... That's a long shot. No, mm. I I don't think it's a long shot, because Mike Riley was a joke. He had a lot of... he. See, here's the thing. He had a lot of good recruiting classes, but his whole, it seemed like his whole recruiting class had pit her out within the first semester of being, at, being there. My big thing is, is that this recruiting class... I mean, we picked up we picked up some offensive players that 
you know, we have lacked, I would say. We, I mean, we got to, depends on who you talk to. I'm really curious to see this four or five star, who, depending on who you talk to, that's coming from LSU, wide receiver. Yeah. Um, we got, oh gosh, what's the name of that one, wide receiver? Uh, 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 Decoldus. <laughs> we got yeah. Decoldus, which I kept thinking to ISIS or yeah. the ice. It's so funny too because I remember in high school when he was like in eighth grade and his dad was like, "Yeah, my son is going to be a star in the NFL someday." And, and then they show his name, Decoldus. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I just was like, "Oh," and, and then it came across my feed for recruitment, and I was like, "No way, we recruited Decoldus." But he does have talent. I won't lie. He's a good wide receiver. But we also got some decent, like four-star running back or something. I think so. I I don't. I don't know. Didn't pay it. To be honest, I've lacked my passion for Husker football. But <sighs> it's been I tough. am. See, here's the problem. It's like duck season. <laughs> <laughs> 2021 duck season. You get you get excited and you get hurt, mm-hmm. and you're just like looking at 22, like 2022 duck season. And you're just like. I'm going to do it, but it's going to hurt again. Yeah. And this year is just like, I, I want to see, I, I really, I just, I want Husker football to get back to where it was. I'd like us to just at least make it to a bowl game. I mean, w- there'll never be a Husker volleyball, but. No. We got a long ways at least th- At least they could be Husker like basketball or like baseball, like at least be somewhat competitive. Yeah. I'm talking like six and six or seven and six or like something. Just give me something. Yeah. But I completely agree with you. I would be interested. I, because you're talking about the new quarterback that's coming from Texas, right? Yeah. I'm interested because I really wasn't that big of a fan of his play. I guess I haven't even watched him, to be honest with you. I just, now, the Texas organization, I would say, has had some dysfunction coach-wise for about the last... I mean, they've kind of been in a similar situation to us coach-wise where it's like... Since Mac Brown, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they... So were, Charlie Strong and then a couple other ones. And, you know, they would... That's why the whole Texas is back joke was so big is because they would literally have two games where they would beat, like, Oklahoma or something, come out of nowhere, look really, really good, start 4-0, and then it just was a train wreck all the way downhill i mean it was terrible and i think that's something like just i mean obviously that conference gonna broke up but that's that's the way that conference has always been Mm -hmm. you know you think of like a texas a&m or texas tech before texas a&m left they would even though they'd have an absolute junk season they'd get themselves all ramped up and somehow manage to pull something out of their butt like auburn should have done to alabama this year but poo on us well, they got pooed on by Georgia, but... Yeah, they did. Ha-ha. Thank goodness. Suck it. Yeah. Sorry, I really don't like Alabama. I'm not going to I'm not gonna apologize. It's not that I... I actually, like... I don't... So, I don't hate Alabama. Nick Saban is, you know... He'll go down as probably the best college football coach of all times. Sadly, which... He ain't no Coach Frost. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think, and I feel this way for NFL and college football period. Wow, we're really doing a football podcast here. Um, We'll get switched off, (laughs) I promise. um, 
I've always felt this way, and that, like I understood people's gripe with Tom Brady, but I think it's bad for the sport when one team is just constantly winning because people get tired of seeing it. Well, I'm just curious on how, you know, you know as well as I do, Alabama, Alabama has the money, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm curious on how how paying players is going to affect the way college the college football landscape is because. Yeah, you you're still gonna have like the same ten, fifteen teams that constantly have money flow, and you're gonna constantly have that. But I'm wondering if you know, like you saw that school from like Deion, I think it was Deion Sanders, and oh, up paying Jackson, like Jackson State, yeah. end up you know being able to pay a couple players to come play. You know, I wonder if that can affect things because you know think about think about Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. People don't think of it as a big money town, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of very well off ranchers out in western Nebraska that like to see the Huskers become what they used to be. Yeah. And they used to pour money into like we're building a whole new athletic training facility. Mm-hmm. You know, that money came from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and we know where they came from. But, you know, what what happens when some of that start that money starts pouring into paying players? Well, does I th- that make a difference? I think we'll see teams are going to pick up, you know, a big player, you're going to see a lot of teams that will get a five-star here and there or a really sought-after four-star because of the money aspect because there's going to be players that um, are going to are going to seek out that money. But the issue is these teams, SEC in particular, like these teams have had the last 15 to 20 years building reputation, winning, and what does winning bring? It brings money to your university it brings money to your team like yeah i mean you could already debate that some of these teams are obviously paying players and you know behind closed doors but now they don't have to be like quiet about it and so some of these high sought after high school students are going to go i could make you know this amount of money and look really good and potentially get myself into the nfl really easily yeah and you know I think it's, I just think that that's my question. Is it is it going to do? Is it going to spread out enough four or five stars to where maybe an Alabama gets knocked off a season or two? I think I think it will. Do. I think we'll see those top ten teams are going to be a lot more top to bottom versus top. Like because because that's my you know if you're if if you process where a pay, uh, a player's head is coming out of high school say. Let's just throw out a school. Let's say Troy University, right? Mm-hmm. So Troy University, an alumni comes out and says, I'm going to give you $2 million. $2 mm-hmm. million come play. As an 18-year-old, you know, I can help my family. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to ever – I don't know if I'm going to make it the NFL. Exactly. But I know if I go to Troy University, I'm going to get $2 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can go to Alabama, and I'm probably going to get paid good, but I know I'm going to get that $2 million at Troy University, you know, there, there is going to be some draw, and you know, just like that, that Dion Sanders, Jackson mm-hmm. State, is that was called Jackson State. Yeah, you know, there's two five stars that mm-hmm. probably would have ended up in the SEC at Alabama that didn't end up there now because of that. Well, and I think because I'm pretty sure one of them a quarterback, and that quarterback I believe was committed to Oklahoma before Riley left. I think. Dude, talk about a guy that is living life. 
Riley. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, Riley is crazy homie. He is now living or he is now in one of the crappiest divisions of football. He doesn't have to do like you have everything at your disposal. USC has a crap ton of money. You got a lot of money in LA. And he's brought a lot of recruits with him. You've got I mean, he's a good coach. I'm not he I'm is. not taking that from him, but you got Ooh, he got paid rich to go over there. Like, I'm pretty sure they it's bought like, him a house. Like, Well, and I believe that his deal was like, I want to say he gets it was to use ten, like their private plane. Well, and I think his contract is, which he'll never, I don't know that he'll be there 10 years, but I'm pretty sure it's a 10 year, 100 million deal. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, like, for a college coach, it's a massive amount of money. Now, Ooh. he's going to California, so he's going to lose a good chunk of that money to taxes, but. Yeah, I got all you know. If I gotta move to California for a hundred million, me and Titus are gonna go hunting. Oh, speaking of Titus, I'm gonna buy some land, and we're gonna live it up. I may lose forty percent of it to taxes, but I still got sixty million. Let's go. <laughs> you, you and Titus are gonna become best friends. You'll hit him up and be <laughs> like, "I just, you know, I just came here for a hundred million dollars. So where are we duck hunting first? <laughs> and he's gonna be like, "Oh." <laughs> How no, much money? He's like, where, where are we duck hunting at? <laughs> no, where are we duck hunting at? <laughs> nah. All right. So managed to talk for man, 23 20, minutes about 23 football. Minutes about football. <laughs> we don't usually talk a lot of football, but I'd like to next year talk a little more about Husker football. It oh, is boy. a passion of mine. I just never, I just haven't brought it that much up into the podcast, but maybe we talk more about it and talk about how they lose. But, okay, let's get into what we're going to talk about the podcast. Okay, you've heard it before. Jeremy's been chomping at the bit, (laughs) chomping at the bit for turkey season. And I'm actually pretty excited myself. I'm not going to lie. So today we're going to talk about how to spring turkey hunt. I've never done it. That's right. You've never spring turkey. We've talked about this on this podcast. I hate this man in ways sometimes because he has (laughs) access to... You can go back to a podcast with me, Hunter, and Dalton and listen to me damn near squeal like a little girl learning about the access that Hunter has to turkey hunting and he's never spring turkey hunted. So we're going to yeah. change that this year. It was pretty funny. If you want to go listen <laughs> to it, it's pretty funny. But long story short, I'll give it give it up in this podcast. But I have I have some land out west... <laughs> So this land is the first place, like the the first place they retransplanted turkeys back in to Nebraska. It was I think it was like 1983. I don't know why that comes up to my mind, but it does. I, it was in the 80s. They they contacted these landowners and they said, "Hey, can, we want to do this. Can we replant them?" It was the first one in Nebraska. So like the reason I never really turkey hunted is because I hunted. I don't know. I, I just think it's one of those kids or one of those things as a kid. You just don't appreciate it as much when you're in the in that situation. But like, they're like, it's not surprising to see a, a horde of turkeys, like two hundred turkeys, <laughs> in one flock. Like that's just not abnormal up there. But when you get down the east side, say it's like flock of ten. Yeah, maybe. I was gonna say. I mean, I've been talking with Dane, and Dane's got some of the biggest flocks. By what he's been telling me, he's got some of the biggest flocks of turkeys I've seen on this side of the state. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, 
I've got one public. I've got two public pieces that I've hunt that I hunt that have. I can see twenty turkeys, but like, that's a pretty, that's a good day, and a lot of those because it's public public land, those birds are gonna skirt you. But do you want to know how I shot my first turkey? I think you told me. Didn't you just step out of your truck? No, your we were truck? on a four wheeler, and they were down by this creek, and my dad just let me off the four wheeler, and I walked down there and chased one. The biggest problem I had wasn't getting close to him. It was about trying to figure out a good size tom. That was the biggest problem because there was yeah. a million jakes down there. So I was just kind of like following these turkeys, trying to figure out where tom was. And then finally I saw one, shot it, and it decided to jump in a creek. I remember you telling me about it jumping in the creek because it was jumping in the creek. So I had to get down my skivvies and go in a creek <laughs> to go get it. <laughs> I've done that. I've gone after a wet turkey before. It they're gross. They are gross when they're wet. (laughs) But that's I just that's just the way I grew up. So I just felt like all I don't know maybe just all of like the country had that many turkeys, but like especially the area. So that's just the way I grew up, and I just have I've always been more waterfowl hunter. But this year, this year I've uh, Jeremy's kind of got me more talked into turkey hunting. I mean, he literally has gotten to the point. I mean, he sent me a picture of his bow the other day. Which I didn't think, I knew I was going to get him out with the shotgun, but I didn't think he would be acting like he might take the bow out. I feel like I'm more about a bow. It's, I, I feel like it'd be harder to kill him. Oh, it is, it harder. is harder. You, harder. Honestly, like, archery, turkey hunting, it's a skill. Like, actually, we probably should go. I should probably bring my target one of these times we go out to the blind for snows. And if it's slow, we should... Or if we're done, we should pull the target out for a little bit and shoot. Cause yeah, maybe you should have shot that snow goose the other day. Which so, everybody, we're snow goose hunting, and it's pretty slow. Like, we're not really paying attention that well. And I I uh, just kind of looking around, dazed, and doing what, I don't know, snow goose done, and forgetting about how crappy snow goose season is. Jeremy's like, let me out of the barn! Let me out of the barn! <laughs> I'm like, okay, here you go. Let him out. And I sat down all <laughs> I did just see him take off towards the spread, and I'm like, okay, like, he must be after something. I wonder if it, I had no idea what it was, to be honest with you. And at that point, it kind of hit me. I was like, I wonder if this is snow goose in the spread. Because Jared's like, is it? Did he find a snow goose in the spread? And somebody else piped up on the other side, yeah, you see his head? It's over there. You just see Jeremy like, dun, 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 dun. And you just see him, like, try to kick something so you like tried to kick up this dude i got between me and you to this bird it did not want to <laughs> it, it was a juvie it was and a, even like when he kicked it up it still was i think if you would have left it if alone, i hadn't shot it it would have landed i guarantee it so he just absolutely demolishes this juvie poor juvie like he died a wholesome wholehearted <laughs> federal ammunition death and not quite boss but federal it still did the job not quite. Actually, that was heavy steel. That was oh. three and a half inch heavy steel at about still 15 not, yards. Was still not boss. <laughs> still not boss. You saw what happened to that juvie. Yeah, I actually, okay, that, that, one, that one that I cleaned that one you kicked out of the decoys on Saturday. Yeah. With Nala. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> it had a hole in it. I mean, I literally was cleaning. I was like, what happened to this bird? And then it's, it hit me. I was like, oh, this is the one that Hunter kicked out of the block, kicked out of the decoys. <laughs> it was I have cr- no remorse for snow geese. It was crushed. 
Oh, sorry, off topic. That's a different podcast, but. So today we're going to talk about, okay, because I have never spring snow goose hunted, we're going to be talking about. Spring turkey hunted. I said snow goose. You did? Oh, I apologize. (laughs) Talking about how to spring, not snow goose, turkey hunt. There you go. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about turkey hunting today, obviously, because I have, and I'm going to ask him questions. Jeremy's going to help me out because, well, he's the master and I'm not, so. I'm a good turkey hunter, right? He's the master. He's not a Bones, that's for sure, but. Mm. There. Let's see. I think the good one to start with. Let's let's talk about guns because we okay. kind of t- we kind of touched on it. What do you need? So gun, honestly, I don't focus like don't focus on like your gauge for your your shotgun. So twenty eight gauge. No, like I mean Matt from High Prairie, he uses his twenty eight gauge for turkeys, and actually it's kind of a really like twenty eight gauge with boss ammo. He does. You gonna buy boss? <sighs> Dude, I was so afraid to ask them how much those turkey shells cost. So Jeremy and I decided to go to Pheasant Fest on a Friday, and it's like Pheasant Pheasants Forever had their national show in Omaha. So we stopped by the boss. Um, boss, what do you call table? Yeah, we'll call yeah, it table. Booth. And we're talking to Luke for a little bit and, you know, just BSing with him. And I noticed the turkey shells in the back start, corner. We started talking about, like, turkey hunting. Jeremy just... Just didn't do it. You should have asked him how much it was. I wanted to, but at the same time, I had, like, last week I bought another box, which a box of 10, you know, to a good turkey hunter could be two or three seasons. Yeah. Depending on, you know, if he travels states or not. But, um, so. I'm just using my boss, 3-5. No, and that's what I told you to use. Like, those will be perfect. But that's an ammunition talk. We're getting too far. Okay, guns. really, I mean... You can use whatever gauge your heart desires. It's actually a, like a massive fad. Is that the right term? Yeah, yeah. It's a massive fad for people to use 410s now. Really? Yep. I guess if you hit them Str- right in the head, it'd be all right. Straight board, full turkey choke, like how 410s. Much, how much of a difference is it between a full choke, like my long range Carlson's cremator, compared to that to a, like a turkey choke? See, honestly, like, I use the long-range long range waterfowl cremator for turkey hunting. That's what I use. I would say that, I want to say the long-range is like, it's like, is it a .610? Is that what that is? I don't know. You know as well as I do. I. My dad has a turkey choke on his shotgun, that, or one of his shotguns that's kind of just stuck in there. And he's used it for duck hunting, knowing damn well that it is a turkey choke in there. But it was, I mean, this thing is, it's like it got welded in there. It's yeah. Without getting a new barrel or breaking something, it's not going to come out. But um, with the long range, I would, with the cremator, I'd probably shoot a turkey at 50. But, man, there's some turkey chokes. Like, people really try to test the limits. If you're shooting, like, three and a halves with a really, like, tight choke, you can... Some people will try, like, 70, 80-yard shots, which I'm just like, why? Why? I could, you couldn't get me to do it. I mean, it you you run the risk of injuring birds, and, you know, it if at that kind of a distance, depending on what kind of BBs. I mean, if you're using boss, you might be able to get away with it because of the, you know, density of bismuth, but um, 
if you're using a light load, like steel, it'll bounce off the birds, kind of knock them out, and you'll walk up to them, they'll get up and run away. Like, I've heard of stories like that happening. Mm. People shooting at them too far. Like, you know somebody's shot at a turkey at, like, too far because as soon as they shoot the shoot and the bird goes down, they get up and sprint after that thing because they don't want it to get away. (laughs) (laughs) But, so, really, going back to the question, honestly, gun doesn't, matter a whole lot in my opinion uh i mean i just use my sx4 28 inch barrel three and a half inch chamber i like to shoot you know three and a half inch number fives or sixes uh from winchester Longbeard. those are my favorite shells um but like some people like to use short barrel shotguns i think in the state of nebraska legally it has to be 18 inches a barrel i believe Hmm. it might be 16 but I'm not a big fan of the short barrels just because, yeah, you can throw a turkey choke on the end of a short barrel shotgun, but it's still a short barrel. Your pattern's still going to open sooner than normal, and I I don't know. I feel like I would much rather have a long barrel mm. than a short barrel because a lot of times when you're sitting there, I guess I've never experienced this, but when you're sitting there, you usually have that barrel up on your knee. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would much rather have a longer barrel than yeah. a shorter barrel. Now, I will say, I shot my very first tur- turkey with a youth model um, single-shot 20-gauge. I've shot a couple turkeys with that, and I'm actually thinking about just bring it out for old time's sakes. It weighs about three pounds, so I could literally hike 20 miles with that thing and never even know it was there. Probably going to shoot and kill a turkey and steal it from Terrell <laughs> with that thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Terrell. It's going to happen. I'm pretty sure if I go hunting with Terrell at any point this year, I'm just going to have to leave whatever weapon we have in the truck. No, that that's no fun. <laughs> That's not. Uh, If I shoot another turkey out from under Terrell, I think he'll quit forever. (laughs) This is what's gonna happen. You're gonna shoot it like shoot a turkey from out underneath of him, and then I'm gonna take him out west. Make sure he gets one. Yeah, and then your heart's gonna break. I'm saving a tag for out there. Like hands down, I'm saving a tag out there. I would like fun. I already have plans to go to Kansas this year. For sure. And I got a few other thoughts, but it kind of just depends on how the spring plays out. Like central, western? Uh, central. I don't know how you can afford that gas price. Uh, It scares me. It's like, yeah, it's going to be like 60 bucks just to get there. And driving around, there's another 60 bucks. Man, Now, don't get me wrong. I can drop straight south from us and like, I hunt a few spots straight south of us anyways, and, like, right across into Kansas, there is, like, a lot of good-looking turkey property. Hmm. So, I'm, yeah, I the ga- I had a big plan for this spring, and then Russia happened, and gas prices skyrocketed, and it now costs me almost $80 to fill my truck, and I don't even have that big of a tank. Yeah. Thanks, Biden. But it's Putin's fault, apparently. Yeah. Let's just not get started on that. Yeah. It make me mad. Yep. Uh, let's see. So we got guns. Let's not get to property yet. Let's go ammunition because there tends to be turkey ammunition 
how do I pick ammunition to shoot turkeys? Uh, I mean, I personally, it, I, again, it kind of depends on what gun you're running and like how. When it comes to turkeys, if I like, if I'm shooting a gun that has a three and a half inch chamber, I'm I'm shooting three and a half inch shells. Like I just like the extra BBs. You never know when something might go wonky or you have that 40 to 50 yard shot that's kind of on the edge of your range that extra those extra bbs and powder help but um like all my friends when i take them for the first time i've got a couple people that are interested in going this year who never have i just tell them to use duck load three inch number fours Hmm. like if you don't want to if if you're like on the edge and you know don't really want to put a whole lot of money into it a lot of public land in nebraska in particular now if you're hunting private you can use lead but um it, um a lot of public land they want non-toxic shot so like steel is always a good option i've killed turkeys with number fours um but like i shoot i shoot five fives or sixes now, I was interested in, like, Boss's shells because they were shooting, like, a 7-9 blend. Yeah. Which, that's a lot. I was impressed. He said there was 164 BBs on uh, paper at, like, 30 yards. And I was like, I... That's unheard of. That's a crazy amount of BBs. Like, was that... Was it, was it bismuth or tungsten? It was TSS. Okay. So, tungsten. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. But... Yeah, I guess I I just when I think boss, I go straight to bismuth. That's what I always. Oh, well, I do too. But isn't it yeah. mostly tungsten? Or I would think so. But that's a. I mean, that seems to be. I feel like bismuth when it would get that small would break up. You'd have probably. some serious breakup issues. But like, think of the concept of nine, seven, and nine shot. To put that in reference, like I shoot doves with a shot. Well. Usually when you get something like, say, like bismuth, right, they usually say you can go a size down because you have the same mm-hmm. hit power on a size down as yeah. you do. So, like, for geese, I usually I used to shoot 3-inch BBs, but now I shoot 3-inch twos with boss. Yeah. So, like, it'd be shooting, like, a 5 or a 6 mm-hmm. in steel. Well, and, like, that that's the... Because, like, what I shoot is copper-plated lead yep. with those 5 and 6s, so, I mean going down with the boss shot seven nine blend. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Um I don't know. Doesn't matter if you get them to twenty. What's up? Yeah, I would say when it comes to you know, your ammunition, if you're uncertain about your ammunition, just try and get them in close. I mean, I have heard of people using I would never recommend it, but I have heard of people using like game loads like up on game kind of loads yeah. at, but you get them in real tight I wouldn't do it um, just because a lot of those loads are two and three quarters or three inch and I just I don't want to use those Yeah. Um, brand wise I really love the Winchester long beards um, Remington nitros are really good for turkeys um federal uh tss i've always wanted to use it but 
the long beards are like fifteen dollars cheaper a box, and they work really well for me. So yeah, well, it's kind work. of preference. Also, you pattern your gun. I mean, how does your gun shoot? How does it pattern those shells? Yeah. So. Hmm. Okay. That uh, let's see, guns, ammo. Let's go bow. Ooh. I think the only big things, I mean, you got cam, double cam. I don't think you really need to debate about that. I think the biggest thing is what would you say is the lowest uh, lowest weight for pole that would, you would use? So I've actually, people generally, I never thought about this until I was listening to it in a, actually a hunting public podcast the other day um, where they were talking about archery hunting for turkeys. And uh, Greg Clement, I don't know how you say his last name, but he's one of the main guys on the hunting public. He's he's archery turkey hunted in Nebraska pretty much his whole life. He's from Nebraska. Um, he's had a family farm with turkeys on it basically since turkeys were in Nebraska. Um, and so he's gotten to do the whole archery, and he made one really good point that you can really dial back the poundage for turkeys. I mean, like to the point where you might almost be shooting a youth or a, a a woman's bow, like forty pounds, which that's nothing to like you or me. Yeah, I think mine's set at fifty, fifty or sixty. I, I shoot I shoot sixty, but like I I shoot sixty because I don't like to dial it back for turkeys, and I don't like to have to redial it forward for deer. I mean, sixty is a good medium in my opinion. Well, I think it's just like one of those things. You can't really kill it more dead than it's already dead. But, so, <laughs> I, sorry, I was getting away from the point that Greg made in the, his podcast was a lot of people dial it back because you don't really want a pass-through on a turkey. One, if it's already a, a small vital area if you're shooting body. Now, some people go for headshots, and I'll talk about the other aspect of bow hunting that is really important in my opinion but um so you have a small vital area if you get a pass through like with the feathers with you know just the way the breast meat is in particular um you have a tendency that like the hole can close up and there's not a whole lot of blood and if that bird that bird's gonna have an easier time getting away if it doesn't have an arrow sticking out of it, which sounds really gruesome. <laughs> it, it does, and like I apologize for anybody that's like that sounds terrible, but the reality is, it's if you make a less than ideal shot, but that arrow is still in the bird, you're gonna have an easier time recovering it. I'd never thought about it that way. How would it, you? How would you have an easier time recovering? covering it you got a turkey running around the arrow stuck out of it well but what i'm saying is is like i so can't i guess it couldn't fly it wouldn't it wouldn't ever be able to fly and like um moving around like if you've ever just watch a video of a, like a archery hunting that archery turkey hunt and you'll see a bird that's got an arrow in it i mean it, it makes so much more noise flopping around because it, you're when you're shooting a turkey with an arrow, you basically find the middle of the wing when they're not in full, well, full strut or not. You basically find the middle of the wing and try and punch it through that. So, you know, a bird's first instincts is to flap its wings and try and get away while it's got an arrow obstructing one wing and potentially the second one if it sticks through the other side. Yeah. So it just, 
it was just a point that I had never heard of, but it made sense that people dial it back so that they don't get a complete pass-through on a bird. Hmm. Now, in my opinion, because of the wings and the breastplate that you're punching through, it's really hard to get a pass-through on a turkey, in my opinion. But it does happen. The most important aspect of archery hunting, though, is the broadhead, in my opinion. So there's, you know... Just like when it comes to deer hunting, there's the big debate between fixed broadheads and mechanical broadheads. Um, mechanicals fly better, but A, may not open up at times. Um, but if they do open up, you're going to have a really big hole with a really big cutting diameter, which is good when you have a small um, you know, vital area. Whereas with a fi- fixed broadhead, you're limited to what that broadhead is at, which generally most of your fixed broadheads to try and get a straighter, you know, flight, it's somewhere around a one and a quarter inch of cutting diameter. But some of your mechanical broadheads, you can get up to almost three inches of cutting diameter, which three inches, like that extra inch and a half, inch and three quarters, is a lot on yeah. on a on a turkey in particular. So I started shooting with the fixed broadheads, did a lot of reading on the whole mechanical side of things, and I have shot mechanical now. They fly a little better, and you just get a bigger cutting radius, in my opinion. Uh, The other aspect of broadheads that I have thought about doing this year, again, this will be kind of gruesome, it has kind of become a lot less popular, but when I was a kid, it was a really popular thing for people to try and shoot turkeys in the head with archery equipment. How dare you? I know. I'm terrible for it. How dare you kill a turkey like that? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, I don't know if actually the technical name for it is in, anymore. When I was a kid, they called it the guillotine broadhead. I mean, it is this... <laughs> Fix. It's pretty much a fixed broadhead. Actually, no. It's a f- if it is if a mechanical broadhead and a fixed broadhead had a mutant child, and so it's like half fixed, half mechanical. You open it up before you shoot it, but you can fold it back down, you know, to carry it around with some certain types. But it has like uh, some of them have like a five inch cutting rate, like diameter. Really? There are these like it's it's an X shape. I'm struggling with this. It's an X shape, but like each blade is like two two and a half inches long, and so I bet that thing flies wonky. Oh, I've seen some videos and they just so it's gotten way better over the years. But there <laughs> there are some videos of those things just slow motioning <laughs> through the air, <laughs> like uh. But I want to try that one of these days, but I just, I get really mad at myself. Like, you miss a duck and it's one thing. You got two extra shells in your gun. Yeah. And they're just flying in the air. You miss a turkey, whether it's with an art, with a bow or a shotgun, that bird is hauling. Yeah. And it is ducking and diving. They don't, they have... They don't always fly when you shoot at them. A lot of times they'll hop up and then they run. And turkeys can run. So, like, 
I get really mad when I miss turkeys. I do. I missed a, a tom with my bow a couple years ago. It was a full strutting tom, and I skimmed the feathers off of his back, and that one haunted me for like two weeks until I shot a bird later in the season. So We'll see you, buddy. I need to get rolling on mine. I actually I don't, I don't even really know what I have for arrows. I know I've got a few of them with some muzzies on it, some fixed ones, but we'll see. I just need to practice more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know where my release went. I had a really nice release. I got into where I was going to use that bow to deer hunt, and I just never deer hunt because deer hunting sucks. Ugh. I'm making so many people mad right now. <laughs> uh-huh. There, I said it. It's done. But you No, know, we can't rifle hunt all that property. Could we go out there and bow hunt it, Hunter? I wouldn't bow hunt it. <laughs> go out there and black powder it. Oh, wait. I would do that and go shoot a deer in an hour. Boo on you, Jeremy. I hate you. <laughs> okay. Shot a four by five. Well, my dad did, yeah. but shot a four by five in an hour. Let's go. <sighs> yeah. But uh, on a back to what we were talking about. Okay, so we got bows. Let's see here. What's the next one? Oh, I think this one's probably the biggest of anything other than choosing what you're going to shoot with. Let's talk about property. Cause yeah. Like that, that of anything, I mean, you can either, you could waste... You could, I mean, you could wake up, waste a whole season if you don't know what you're doing. But that's why mm-hmm. we're talking about this on the Big Hunters podcast. Yeah. So let's talk about property. Give me the the four one one. The four one one. Uh, turkeys are really honestly. I think people underestimate how adaptable turkeys are. I've seen turkeys in some weird places. Nebraska's Nebraska's a perfect example of how adaptable turkeys can be because if you're in the southeast in Nebraska. You got hardwoods like Missouri looking, you know, South Iowa kind of stuff where you could get into some dense trees and even up in the northeast side of Nebraska. But then you get to central and you got river bottom with just small tree lines and whatnot. Um, And, you know, you could see areas where you're like, how are there turkeys here? But then there could be like 150 like, for instance, if you're dry, dry, you've probably seen it if you've driven down I-80 in the spring between Grand Island and, let's say, Lexington. On If, if you're heading west, on the south side of I-80, all those fields. Next time you drive to see your dad in the spring. I never see him there. Oh, you got to watch. I dude. always see him between Lexington and North Platte, but I never see him between Grand Island. You get past you get past Grand Island, just keep watching those south fields. They're everywhere. They really are. You got to get on the other side of Grand Island, though. Well, we're going to be going yeah, west well, yeah. in the spring, and I will count them, and I will prove you wrong. I would uh, bet, bet right here. We will, I mean, we will literally see. Box of boss. A box of boss. Okay, okay. We can do that. Box of boss. I will, I will bet you a box of boss right now. Everybody heard it here on the Big Red Hunters podcast. Between Grand, Grand Island and Lexington. Grand Island and Lexington, we will see 250 turkeys. No question. Okay. All right. Bet. <laughs> Sounds good. Are we, talking, are we talking three, five blend or twos? No, we're talking fives. Okay. For right. ducks. Sounds good. Cause uh, yeah, I just got to figure out what I'm shooting next year. So, 
Because you're buying boss. Uh, when, no, it sounds like I'm winning a box of boss. No, you're going to be shooting boss next year. What's up? Oh, uh, we'll see. I'm shooting three inch. I'll be shooting three inch fives and three inch twos. Anyways, so point is, so you got the east side of the state, dense hardwood trees kind of stuff. Central where it's river bottom with, you know, just little tree lines. And then you get up to the north or the west and the northwest side of Nebraska where you get into the Pine Ridge area. And it's crazy, like, the diversity of stuff. They can go from sitting in cottonwoods to big old maples to, you know, uh, cedars and pines up in the northwest. But the main thing that I always, like, look for when it comes to turkey and identifying turkey habitat is water. I mean, it' plain and simple. They, like, more so than, you know, deer and other mammals i mean they need water they really really do that's the first thing i'm looking for and then i'm looking for mature roosting trees what kind of water sources i love my big thing is i love to look for creek bottoms like creeks that run through a piece of property or near a piece of property um that's my biggest fan now the northwest is a little bit different Sometimes, like, in the northwest, you might get a watering hole. You might have some creeks going through there, but, like, they're not going to be as prominent as, like, the east side of the state. You've got the Platte. I mean, you go up to the north, east side, you've got the Missouri. And then, like, of course, central, you've got both sides of the Platte going right through there. But, so, water... Then I'm looking for dense, you know, like the, if I'm looking for roosting trees, I'm looking for the densest, densest portion of trees along that water source. Um, cause you know, mature trees, that's what they're going to roost in. Tur- turkeys are, they like to roost springtime. The other big thing that I'm looking for, like thick CRP. So, I this clicked for me about four or five years ago. I had a piece of property that I've always deer hunted. It's the one that I've been deer hunting for years. Piece of private land that when I'm there deer hunting in the fall and late season, I always see turkeys. And like actually that flock of turkeys is about a hundred strong. It's a big flock of turkeys. Um and I always like a couple years I tried to spring turkey hunt it, but it they would disappear and it finally clicked because they had the water, they had the mature roosting trees, but like within the trees, it was kind of bare. And then there was crop around it. Like there was no thickness. There was nowhere for the hens to lay eggs, like to create a good nest. So like the turkeys just got out of there. They'd go somewhere else in the spring. I mean, they literally will change up their habits habits just as much as deer will. They'll look for the, they would come to that property in the fall because it had, you know, a lot of corn or beans because it was farmland and then good roosting trees. But in the spring, though it would have food, it'd have nowhere for the hens to, you know, create, create nests. So they would go looking for thicker areas. So water trees, thick, just sometimes even kind of stuff that you wouldn't ever want to crawl crawl through 
I mean, that's where those hens are going to want to try and build their nests. So, and then of course, I like, though I don't, some people will say it's a necessity. I don't actually think it is because I've seen some turkeys strut around in like the smallest little openings, but, um, you know, just an open field for them to strut. Gotta look pretty. Yeah, gotta look pretty. Now that, that, that is Nebraska. They're, all the Southern boys on here that are listening to it would probably be like, you have no idea what you're talking about with turkeys. And you're right. I don't have any idea what, like, though all those things would translate to those turkeys, there are differences state to state, region to region. I mean, cause like you can go just, just like in the Northwest part of Nebraska, the further you go Northwest, you know, a lot of those states, just finding them in thick pines and then hoping you can find water. <laughs> I wouldn't. Ugh. Trying to hunt turkeys in pines, man. That, would, that just does not sound like fun at all. You know, I, I went to the Pine Ridge two years ago, and it really was fun. But, like... Well, that's another aspect talk of about turkeys we could talk about. We talk about subspecies and talk how about they... tick central. Pines? Yeah. Ooh, southeast is way worse than northwest. Thanks. Yep, sorry, bud. <laughs> like you're, when we go west, you won't have as big of a tick problem as we do down here. I guess we usually don't get... We usually get more water in the spring than they do yeah. out there. I, I just hope everybody gets... Well, I don't know. I don't want to slow down my house, so... <laughs> I'm taking that back. Everybody needs some water. Right yeah. Now. But, and I, I just, I like garlic in my food, so ticks really don't like me. I guess I didn't really think about that. I just don't, ugh, yeah, ticks. I know. Yeah. I, I guess it. I'm out now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, let's see here. So we got property, we got ammunition, those uh let's talk uh let's talk turkey calls turkey calls because that that's that's the biggest point and we talked about that in the past is like my biggest thing about turkeys and i think that's why a lot of waterfowl hunters like it Mm -hmm. it's the draw of it's like a chess game yes and you feel like you have well you you have to draw in that turkey to get them in range but like trying to get something that doesn't normally do something to actually do what you want it to do Mm mm-hmm that's my draw to turkey hunting, but and that that's what I told you because I know we've had that whole discussion about deer hunting and why you don't like it, and you're like it's just kind of boring. And then I I told you I was like you would like turkey hunting because you like calling at ducks and you like setting the decoys and well all that stuff and that's a big thing is we talked about that too about so we're sitting in the duck blind and Dane I love you you've listened to this podcast so I appreciate that part of it. But I, you know, I said this, I was like, there's a difference between calling it something and talking to something. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to like a duck, yeah, you're calling at it, but you're talking with it because you're looking at how they respond and what they want. And I mean, it's like, I mean, I'm married, but it's like going to the bar and, mm-hmm. you know, sweet talking that lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Christina Aguilera. Yeah. <laughs> hey, baby, baby, hit me one more time. 
And then, you know, give her a little drink, and you're like, hey, we should, yeah. It's like, hey, <laughs> draw her in. It's really bad, but yeah. <laughs> everybody's laughing right now, so you're welcome. Uh, but, but seriously, like, you're talking, trying to get this turkey mm-hmm. to do what it doesn't normally do to do what you want it to do. Calling to turkeys is a massive chess game, and I love it. I really do. Um, first things first, calls. I mean, obviously, there's a massive variety of calls. Your main, your most common ones, I would say, are going to be your mouth calls, and then um, your mouth calls, your slate calls, and then your locator calls. Um, there are other calls. There's box calls, and then... There's another one that's become really, really popular in probably, I would say, the last five years in particular that I actually think I'm going to get one before shotgun. I won't get one for archery, but it's a wing bone call. I like So you can literally tear down the wing of a turkey and create a call with it. I would never thought that was even possible. I didn't think it was possible until uh, the guy that I saw do it first was uh, Catman Outdoors. Southern guy from, I think he's from Tennessee. But he loves a turkey hunt. And he does it He does it with all the birds he shoots. He tears the wings off and he makes a call out of it. And I think it's, I, I want to I wanna either create my own or I want to buy one. I'm not sure. I can't decide. It's kind of horrific. I mean, if you think about it, it's horrific. I'm going to kill you. And make a call out of you so you can kill <laughs> more of your fellow turkeys. Well, I mean, you think about that. I mean, think about, I mean, Indians did a lot of those things. I don't disagree, but. So. But it's I, like, I, it's I like hear tearing, what you're saying. It's like tearing me apart and using my skull to kill you, Jeremy. Yeah. No, I. I <laughs> they would be like, they'd have my skull uh, and be like, ah, papi, cholo. Uh, he popped out and be like, eh, papi, and then get shot. <laughs> Done. That's like that. Gruesome. Oh, jeez. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan, fan of a mouth call. Some people can't get it to work. My dad can't do a mouth call to save his life. I, my biggest problem isn't doing it. It's the vibration. I'm Tickles your mouth? It Yeah, I, I struggle. I'm not saying I, I feel like you could get used to it after a long time or after a while, but that's the, that's the thing I have to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it takes a little while. I would argue, I would say... Um, and obviously as we get, we'll have to bring calls down into like the snow blind one of these days and just mess around with them. Cause I would say if, if you're getting vibration to the point where it's bothering you a lot, you've got the call in the wrong position in your mouth, I would say. Um, probably good chance. Yeah. But it, it may not. I mean, don't get me wrong. After 20 minutes of blowing on a mouth call, my mouth sometimes is like, yo, Let's stop. But um, those are, I mean, that's that's the most common call. You can you can you, you can make it sound really quiet if you know what you're doing. You can make it really loud. Um, if you are incapable of getting a mouth call to be loud, that's where your box call and your slate call come in. I mean, a good crystal call. I mean, you can in the windiest of days, you can cut through that wind and get to those turkeys. Um, same with a box call. It's meant to cut through wind. It's super loud. It's, I don't love a box call because I think it sounds unnatural generally. It's just, eh, I don't like it, but, 
And then your other main calls are those locator calls. A lot of people use owl hoots or crow calls. Um, and then another one that people use generally towards either first thing in the morning or right around roost time, they'll use a coyote call just to figure out where they're roosting. Because mm. turkey, so when it comes to those locator calls, turkeys like hear mostly off of frequencies. And, like, those calls hit certain frequencies, and so they they think it's another gobbler or an, another turkey. And so, like, it's called a shot gobble. I mean, they'll hear that noise, and they'll just, like, I mean, you'll hit a crow call, ka ka, and then it's just a pow. Like, they'll, like, as soon as you're done with it, they'll hit you. Once they hear that first note, they'll hit you with it. Like, they'll let but you What know. do they do? They do the... Yeah, they got... <laughs> Just like that. They just, sound exactly just, just like, like that. that. Professional turkey man over here. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Who needs a mouth call? Who needs a call at all? Blah, 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 blah. You're welcome. Yeah. Hey, turkey. There's some people that um, can just use their voice. Just a natural. That's crazy. I used to be able to do that when I was a kid, but I might. I mean, I don't have a deep, deep voice, but. My voice dropped, and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> All right, so you step on a property. You know that there's turkeys there because you did your scouting mm-hmm. and weren't a lazy pile. <laughs> and uh, you know there's turkeys there. You know where the roost's at. But you're having a hard time figuring out where they're at. How would you locate them? So... You're saying like I walk into the property mid morning or something like that. I'm saying, like, okay, say say like your deer hunting land you talked about. You know that they kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. I mean, say if you're new to turkey hunting, you show up mid morning. You, you have an idea of you know there's turkeys on the property. You kind of have an idea where the roost is at, but you want to find them. Mm-hmm. What would you do? So uh, finding the birds and sorry. In the roost or after they've gotten out of the tree? After they've gotten out of the tree. So I did this a couple years ago, and actually it's what what killed me my first turkey on public land. Um, Because when I was a kid, I used to only hunt private. We had some buddies that had private in the southeast corner of the state. Um, But then I started hunting public land. My first first turkey I killed on public land, it was about 10 o'clock. I got out of my truck. I knew where they, I like, I had scouted this property. I'd seen turkeys on it. I knew the general area of their roost. And so I walked a little ways back into the property. It was a little bit of a windy day. My first instinct on a windy day like that, I get out the slate call. Um, now, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in locator calls like a crow call or um, I've grown a little confident in an owl hoot but the problem is generally you only use that in the morning and the evenings you know because i mean owls will make noise during the day but it's not super like common or consistent but whereas like you step outside in nebraska listen for 20 minutes you're probably going to hear a crow especially in the spring yeah as they're migrating and doing whatever crows do but um, so you can use a locator call or generally I, I, I get out 
the slate call or a crystal, and I just try and get as loud as I can on it. You know, putt, couple clucks. I wish I had a call, but I should have brought a call with me for this one. But I'll give a couple just... A lot of people say that you should, like, start soft and um, get louder as you're trying to locate. But... I and and I've been watching another a bunch of other people do it too on YouTube and whatnot. When you're trying to when a hen is trying to locate a tom, they might like give out two real quiet ones, kind of just make sure nothing's like immediately right around them. But then if they really want to find something, they get loud and almost obnoxious, kind of like the. I mean, you talked about a bar, but almost like the woo girl or whatever you want to call it. That just is like. Super loud, up in your face, like you know she's drunk. She wants you to take her home, and yada yada. I mean, she already drunk. She already so she, she already had a good time. Yeah, she's just she's just being loud, all giddy and yada yada. She's looking for Taco Bell and a sweetheart. <laughs> Every girl's dream, right there. But um, and everybody's gonna think that I go to the bars just to pick up chicks, and honestly, I don't. <laughs> Stepped what's in, a, what's I've the last stepped time in like been one bar? bar in my life. And oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, anyways, but so I, I'll I'll get pretty loud, and it like I'll do it for 20, 30 seconds in a spot. If I hear nothing, I'll walk back further to where I think those birds are, because on a windy day in particular, those birds have turkeys tend to get down in holes on windy days. And, like, if you're up over a hill, they that sound is just going over their heads. They may not even hear you, but, like, don't give up. And, like, as soon as, like, let's say you get over that hill, try and locate one again. If you use a locator call, like a crow call, and you get one to gobble, I just recommend, like, just keep getting closer to that turkey. Get inside his bubble. Um, if you hit that hen call, it's really kind of, you got two things to do. If, if a Tom responds to your hen, you know, trying to get its attention with a hen call, um, you can either like try and get closer, but you run the risk of if that bird is lonely, I mean, they'll hear that and they'll just start beelining for you, especially if it's an unpressured bird, like the private land birds that, Hunter doesn't ever hunt. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> or or you'll get your classic public land bird that will gobble at you. And then he may either shut up or he um, might just gobble at you in one spot. And he'll it's called a strutting zone. He'll just sit there, gobble at you, strut back and forth in a circle, and wait for you to come to him. Birds like that... If, if you get the bird that's coming to you, just sit down, just set up, find your right spot, kind of be a little quiet, let him respond to you. If you've got that got, if you've got that bird that is just going to sit there and gobble and not come towards you, my recommendation is just to shut up for a second, get a little closer to him, hit him again, get him to respond to you, and then I would just like, I mean, I would hammer him for like a couple seconds and then shut up. I mean, you get his attention, and then you basically shut up and say, no, you're coming to me. Mm. 
And that's that's a situation where like you got a fence line, you can't go any further. He's off the property, but you know he's like he's interested. He hears you and he, you know, he he wants your attention just as much as you want his. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend. But let's talk wind. Upwind, downwind, sidewind. Uh I've no like turkeys wind doesn't really matter a whole lot. Um I mean if you're upwind of them they're gonna hear you a lot better if it's a really windy day. Uh, I don't No, I'm just curious. I, yeah, I don't I don't know that I can say I mean I know they don't have like good noses, but I don't know if I mean I know sound's a factor, but not that much of a factor. Yeah, I I mean you can like the only way that the only reason that I really think about wind too much is I've got one piece of public um, that like so the birds roost just off of the public property, but like right inside of public, there's a perfect strutting field on a day where the wind is coming from the north. They will get out of the tree right below the trees and they may head north out away from the public. If I got a wind from the south in that property, they generally pick up off those trees and just come right down into that field. That's the only way that I ever really think too much about wind for turkeys other than calling. Because if like in Nebraska, I mean, we talked about this just the other day in the in the blind hunting snows. It's like in Nebraska, it seems like this time of year, it's either blowing 35 plus or it's dead calm. Yeah. There's really no grade in between. I mean, if it's dead calm, you just be quiet and as quiet as you can. But it's sorry. Uh, the wind obviously won't have as much of a factor when it comes to being that calm. But on a windy day, I don't, other than birds not being able to hear you call at them, only thing I can say is if you can hear a bird gobbling somewhere, just try and get it as close as you can. Figure out exactly where he's at because, of course, that wind will carry gobbles or block gobbles. I mean, if you're upwind of that bird and you hear him gobble, he could be 20 to 40 yards away from you, but it sounds like he's 200 on a really windy day. If you're downwind, he could be a quarter mile away because that noise is just carrying to you, but... I think the last uh, last one I got for you is decoys. It's a big. I feel like this is a big contention point among amongst turkey hunters just in general. So, I love. I really do love hunting with decoys. Um, I, are you talking like hunting with or without or types bull, of decoys? Kinda. Yeah. Let's just say bull. You got Jake. You got hen. So, yeah, I, like, when I'm hunting with decoys, I run a jake and a hen. Um, and I'll generally put that hen in, like, a breeding position. And that jake, you know, getting getting ready to get to it, if you will. Um, no, I, I don't know. I, you know uh, big a sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to make babies. <laughs> Future turkeys. <laughs> no, I... There's something about hunting with decoys that really is a blast. Um, they can get those birds, like, 
a lot of times with turkeys, you'll get birds that'll hang up at 60 yards because they've gotten to the point where they can see where they think that a hen should be because they can hear it. Like they can hear you calling to them, but they can't see a hen anymore. So those decoys will get them that last little bit. So there's a great advantage to hunting with decoys. That being said, this year it is a goal of mine to kind of learn to hunt without them. I've never really taken a whole lot of like interest, not so much a whole lot of interest, but I've never taken the time to try and hunt without decoys because I've used them for so long that it's become a little bit of a crutch. But I watch all these people on YouTube that hunt without decoys, and, man, it just looks like it'd be so much fun getting them to come that last little bit without it. I think people that hate on people for using decoys are are silly because if you're taking a youth or a new hunter, I encourage you to use a decoy because you'll get them that last couple yards. And on top of that, there is something truly awesome. Don't spend a lot of money on a decoy. Just side note to this, because if your decoy gets destroyed for this reason, you will be unhappy that you spent a lot of money. I mean, go that middle ground. Don't get the cheap, foamy-looking, <laughs> crappy decoys. But um, watching a, a a Tom run from about 30 yards out all the way to your Jake decoy to beat the piss out of that thing, Oh, it's so cool. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) I love it. I really do. It happened happened to me a few years ago. And I I mean, I had like four or five toms in this field strutting, you know, pecking order and whatnot, like the whole time. And then finally one tom looked over at my Jake decoy presenting himself to this hen decoy. (laughs) And he... His, I mean, his head changed a completely different color, and he just, he put his head down, flicked his tail fan back, and just hauled to my decoy and just beat the crap out of it, and then I shot him off of it. So it was pretty awesome. (laughs) So on that end, like, decoys are fantastic. Um, Archery hunting, uh, I'll never hunt without a decoy when it comes to archery hunting because you, you want that. You want those decoys to close in. I mean, that same year that I had that Jake beat the crap out of my decoy, I had, or sorry, that Tom beat the crap out of my decoy. I had three more Toms a couple weeks earlier that I showed them my decoy, and that's what got them to come to me because they were literally like, they weren't responding to my calling. I knew where they were. I could hear a hen, and I peeked my head over, and I saw like three or four Toms in this field, and... I basically got my decoy up to where they could see it, made a few soft hen calls, looked up. These three toms basically stuck their head up, looked at the decoy, and then just not bolted, but just made a beeline for my decoy, and I was able to shoot one of them with my bow. I think the big thing with the bow is the fact that, especially with decoys, is it keeps their eyes on the decoy instead of mm-hmm. you or the noise you're making. And, you know, trying to pull your bow back and get a shot mm-hmm. 
they have to you have to have at least like three to five seconds of time to where you can get your bow back and get ready yep and like the point is is like you can get away with a lot more movement it really helps people that like to self-film their hunts like if i'm by my health by myself hunting i probably will prefer to use a decoy even though it's one extra thing to carry but I can get away with moving the camera a little more. I can get away with moving my gun a little more, getting in that perfect position and being able to take a shot because that bird is preoccupied and has its mind on, you know, uh, this inferior Jake is in my area and I don't know why. Now, this being said, if you're in an area and you know for sure you have a non-dominant Tom in the area, because... Though Tom's will beat up on Jake's, if you've got, if you've got, and this is just knowing your flock of turkeys, but if you've got a flock of turkeys that's got like one Tom, but like the hatch the last year was really good, and there's like a dozen Jakes in that flock, that Tom's not going to be interested in seeing a Jake decoy because he's going to see that decoy. He's going to know, oh, there's like eight more of them around probably, and you know, it's simple math. I mean. Eight versus one. I mean, that bird's gonna get get the crap beat out of it, and so, so it's, you're saying there's eight of us dudes could take down the rock. You think eight eight dudes could take down the rock? Like you, no. me, Dane, maybe Brad, Brad, Terrell. Oh jeez. You think I take down the? I don't know. We take down the rock. I'd be really scared to try. <laughs> Why? He's huge. Respectfully. Well, I think at the end you could say I took down the rock. I guess it defines takedown. Are we like get him to the ground? Or are we talking? Like- yeah, submit him. <laughs> like eight dudes getting the rock to the ground and making him say uncle. Perhaps. I don't <laughs> What? That's a realistic question. That's a realistic question. Yeah, I'm. There's some eight day, dudes eight of us the rock. Gonna see the rock. I mean, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you like dealt the six hundred pounds and benches three or four hundred, and that would be like three or four of, or two or three of us. But yeah. like, I think we could do it. Yeah, I think we could. I sure my my ego hopes that we could. I'd not tap him. <laughs> <laughs> Better chance of success. Ah, <laughs> uh, sack tap. <laughs> hey, Rock, what do you want? Can you feel what the Rock is cooking? Nut tap. <laughs> oh, Somebody man. go for the legs. <laughs> Say Uncle Rock. Say Uncle. Say it. No. <laughs> I mean, so the point is, is that, like, you put that decoy out there, that tom, if it's a non-dominant bird or that bird is at the crap beat out of it, it may turn away and not want anything to do with you. Those, are, toms. those are hard birds to kill. So, I think that's all I had for you. You are the master. Uh, I mean, I like to think I'm pretty good at turkey hunting, but I know there's people that are better at it than me. Well, hopefully... I'm not cursed like you are for goose hunting. Hey, we've started killing geese. The curse is over. Don't you bring that evil on me. <laughs> Still bringing the evil. Damn it. Sorry, buddy. Hopefully this week we 
pick up a little bit. I uh, for listeners, we're gonna do a recap of the snow goose hunting because there's a there's been a lot of fun that has happened that I feel like yeah it's gonna be a fun fun podcast to do all together because like a lot of times we kick through it at the beat intro and stuff. I just want to package it into. A, a good old laugh for you. Yeah. I, th- I feel like a, a good laugh is what I'm getting at, but, well, you got anything else you want to say? I strongly encourage anybody who has ever been on the fence about turkey hunting, find somebody that knows what they're doing or find a group of turkeys that you can get permission on or go to public land. I don't really care. Watch videos. Figure out how to do it a little bit. I s- seriously... Turkey hunting is so fun. It really is. Like, people who don't like turkey hunting are boring. So if you don't like turkey hunting at the end of the season, Hunter, I'm going to be a little concerned about our friendship. (laughs) You already don't like deer hunting. (laughs) You hear that, guys? I take him snow goose hunting. Oh, come on. I get him on his first snow goose jump. (laughs) He calls me boring. I said you could be boring. I'm not calling you boring yet. You heard that. Everybody heard that. Everybody heard it. On the record, if Hunter doesn't... You better start lying at the end of the season that you like turkey hunting. Yeah, I love turkey hunting. (laughs) Yeah, it's so so fun. (laughs) I am I'm actually looking forward to eating turkey because I love turkey. Oh, yeah. Well, and I... That part of it I'm excited about. Your excitement level has gone up. It has kind of been intriguing because you were so excited about snow goose season and now you've been like, you know, I'm kind of ready to go turkey hunting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Of course, it doesn't help that every time me and Dane are in the blind together, we talk about turkey hunting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I might. I mean, I if if it was the situation where I didn't have you to go with, I wouldn't go. To be honest with you, my motivation for hunting in general by this part of the year, I just need a break. Yeah. So if like going with you. And Dane, yeah, but if I really had to go at it by myself and, like, get, like, go find my own property and my own turkeys and learn how to turkey hunt, I'm going to be honest, I probably wouldn't this year. Not saying I wouldn't in the future, but I just... Sits on a gold mine. Yeah, you ain't wrong. <laughs> Honestly, I probably, I've talked, I talked about doing it last year. I would go out west and we, go, we, my, dad, go we, with my dad. We kept saying that you and me would go turkey hunting, and then it just never happened last spring. Granted, yeah. I was... Was in a place last spring, but yeah, it's all good. All right, guys, let's get out of here. I uh, appreciate you guys listening to this. Before you go, make sure to rate and review to join on the Big Red Hunters podcast fans forum. Uh, that way, you can join up on the community. We appreciate you guys so much, so much. Uh, I got a lot of amazing feedback from our mental health podcast. Just know, like, if you guys want us to do something like that again. Make sure to DM us or whatever. Get a hold of us somehow. Or I, mm-hmm. This is actually the best way. Jump on the Bigger Hunters podcast group and say, hey, you guys should do a podcast about this because we don't know unless you tell us. So, exactly. Um, love to do something like that again. Um, I Man, it, it, meant a, it meant a lot to me for guys that kind of reached out after that. So just know if you guys need somebody to talk to, we're always here. And if you guys have any questions about turkey hunting, don't send them to me because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> send them to Jeremy at Huntfish365. And if you want to maybe get ahead on what the Snow Goose podcast is about, 
I think Jeremy's going to make a video. Yeah. It may or may not be released before our podcast, but if it does, you can jump on there, say hit subscribe, and watch the video. So. There you go. All right, guys. Have a good night.